Welcome to Find Myself Free, the podcast. I'm Ellie Young, alcohol-free life coach, mom, and athlete. I'm dedicated to helping others change their relationship to alcohol by sharing my journey of transformation. Fascinated by my own capacity for change after decades of gray area drinking, I'm passionate about sharing what I've learned from neuroscience and positive psychology to help you break free from the drinking cycle and unlock your true potential. Hear my personal stories of triumph and struggle as I navigate raising two boys, finding myself after 40, building a business, and doing it all alcohol-free. From women's health and cycle syncing to fasting and biohacking, this podcast is your roadmap to a healthier, purpose-filled life that starts with changing your relationship to alcohol. It's time to embrace change, find balance, and create the life you were meant for. Welcome to Find Myself Free. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Find Myself Free. I'm Ellie Young, your host, and it is week two of dry January. It's January 11th, and this is when things start to get really interesting for people. Um, I'm running a dry January group, and it's been great so far. You know, we went through the first week of exploring all of the beliefs that keep people stuck in the drinking cycle. And then this week, um, I'm sharing a lot of content about tuning in. And, you know, so the the past week was about waking up and and establishing awareness of alcohol and the beliefs you have. And then this week is about tuning in to just how much we've used alcohol to kind of meet our needs. And when I say tuning in, I, I literally want you to kind of picture like a radio or like, you know, for for my era, there was a radio and you would dial in to try and get to the to the right channel. So we're, we're really like trying to fine tune that dial because we're no longer going to mute the volume on the things in our life that are causing us discomfort, that are causing us dissatisfaction or lack of fulfillment. We're no longer going to mute that. We're actually going to tune into it. And we're going to try and get a clear channel to it so that we can understand what we really need. Um, We're done numbing. And this part can feel really raw. Um, But if you've actually done 11 days without alcohol at this point, your brain and body are getting back to homeostasis. And you're going to start to feel more calm. You're going to start to feel more centered and more balanced. And things do become more clear. It is easier to respond to things in your life in a much more even keeled way because you're no longer on the roller coaster of, you know, the ups and downs of of the boosts of alcohol and then the recovery of alcohol. Um, And when we can actually try and treat now these things that are bothering us and treat our real needs with things that are actually healthy for us, with real self-care, it's incredible. Um, Because for so long, we've been allowing alcohol to kind of be the answer to so many of these things. I mean, we're stressed, we drink. We're bored, we drink. We're lonely, we drink. And we don't even realize it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's drinking is simply a comfort-seeking behavior. We're trying to change our state of being. We're in a certain state, we don't like it. We think alcohol is going to help us achieve some other state, right? And um, it's all subconscious. It's not like we're consciously 
looking at the wine and looking at the, the bottle of booze and saying, you know, I'm going to self-medicate with this. I'm going to numb out this discomfort. No, it's totally subconscious. It requires very, very little energy for our brain to do this. It's just on autopilot. And we've been doing it for so long, we don't even think about it. We're, we're so accustomed to it because it's just become so normalized. You know, when you compare yourself to your friends, when you look all around you, everybody's doing it. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel problematic, but somehow deep, deep in your subconscious and there's a voice of, that's saying, God, I know I'm meant for more than this. I know I could feel better than this. I know my life can be different. And so I want you to trust that. I want you to follow that. And know, again, that it's not your fault. But right now, this is your moment. This is the moment that we get to examine all of this stuff in our subconscious. We get to pull it out, stop the autom automaticity of it all, and we get to examine it. That's what I'm here for. And I want you to know that all of these beliefs that, you know, we're driving the subconscious behavior. We've just learned about these. Um, and we get to, you know, we finally are like calling bullshit on that. We're kind we're we've pulled those beliefs out and we said, hey, none of this is true. Alcohol was not doing anything that it was that was that it promised it was doing. This is what it's really doing to my system. And so now we have the opportunity to be like, okay, so what do I actually need? If alcohol wasn't the answer. What is going on in my life? This rawness I feel now because I'm no longer numb. How can I take care of that? How can I better take care of myself? And um, this is where this huge opportunity for growth is. So not only am I going to be encouraging you to practice real self-care, and I don't want you to think about this as indulgent. This is taking care of yourself. Giving yourself a bottle of wine at night so that you could tolerate whatever it is you're dealing with and calling that self-care is just bullshit. It was self-sabotage at best. So giving yourself an hour at bedtime for you to like do a face mask, take a bath, do some yoga, that is real self-care and it shouldn't feel selfish and it shouldn't feel indulgent. This is, I want you to kind of hack your brain and be like, this is me taking care of myself and this is going to make me show up better in all areas of my life. Okay. So one strategy to kind of recognize what's going on with us is the, the acronym HALT. So you ask yourself, you know, am I hungry? Am I angry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? So, and you know, what, what can I do to better meet those needs? And this, this requires being proactive, right? And you can even take a step even further back and say, okay, if, if these are the things that are causing me discomfort, anxiety, and stress in my life, do I actually have to tolerate those and find healthier ways to cope with, cope with these things? Or can I actually just remove the thing altogether? This is where drastic change can take place in your life. This is where people start to question, you know, like, Am I in the right marriage or relationship? Like, am I in the right job? Like, do I really, you know, want my kids to be playing this sport that's taking up so much of my time? Like all, all sorts of big, big questions here. And I don't want anyone to panic here, but I do want you to take a step back. 
and ask yourself, like, this thing that I've been drinking to tolerate or get through, you know, do I really need to keep doing it? Okay. And, or can you go in a completely different direction? So the seeds of these kind of things are just now being planted now because you've woken up your awareness. You're no longer numbing. You're recognizing the things that are perhaps causing you dissatisfaction in your life. And you're like, all right, it's time. It's time to handle this stuff. And and don't get me wrong. I know for moms, like this is a really tough one because yes, you still have to take care of care of your children. Yes, you still have to put your kids to bed and and do tons of tedious, thankless jobs that you can't get away from. You don't get to like be like, yep, I'm done with this stuff. Not doing any of that anymore. Y'all figure it out. Um, no, but you do get to start finding solutions. And there are creative answers to these things. There are, but it's a lot easier to find them to be clear about these types of things when you remove the alcohol. Your ability to problem solve and your ability to listen to what you really need, it's only going to improve because your brain is now healing. Your brain is now more balanced. Your mental health is more stable. Your mood is better because your neurochemistry is no longer on this kind of roller coaster. You're hopefully sleeping better. And that is such a game changer. When you start getting actual restorative sleep, when you're not waking up at 3am, when you're not waking up feeling like shit every day, you can get more clarity on what you need to be doing and the steps you need to take to actually start to change your life. Literally alcohol just sits at the top of this just cascade of not only health benefits, but life benefits. It truly is a life-changing thing to remove alcohol from your life. And everybody focuses on the wrong things. They focus on the small, narrow thing, like what am I going to do for fun? And how am I going to socialize? And this is awkward. And like once you kind of get past the smallness of that and you start and you actually remove alcohol and you, you feel the balance in your body again, in your brain, you start to recognize like, oh, wow, it was holding me back in so many ways. And my world has just expanded. And all of a sudden it just, it seems so silly that this beverage was controlling so much of your experience in the world. Okay. So when we get, let's get back to like, you know, we're listening to our brains and our bodies and we're practicing real self-care now. And a huge part of this, again, is recognizing that there's probably things we're doing that we're asking of ourselves, that we're taking on, that we really don't want to do and don't have to do, right? So again, I'm not talking about like the thankless mom jobs. I'm talking about just the random stuff that we say yes to, that we we martyr ourselves with. Can we problem solve that? Can we learn to say no? And you know, I'm just speaking for myself here, but one key part to kind of stepping away from things that, you know, we recognize that we're kind of plagued with this notion that we're so integral to the success of this thing, this machine, whatever it is, you know, this job where we're like, oh, we can't say no, we can't, we can't not do it because it will fall apart. It will fall apart if we're not involved. 
And, you know, that idea, it's a bit narcissistic. And, And hear me out, okay? Because things will continue if you're not involved, okay? I know, hard stop. Um, but it often, it just gives other people an opportunity to step in. So in your relationship, clearly I'm speaking on, on behalf of my own here. I thought I was so key to the success of certain things functioning in my household that I was like, I have to do it. I have to do it. And, and then I built up all this resentment between me and my husband because I was just taking on so many things without even really giving him an opportunity to do anything. I was just like, I have to do it. And then I and then I drank to cope with the dissatisfaction of that arrangement. So I I enabled this entire dynamic and then I drank. But when I started in my kind of early sobriety and I kind of had to go upstairs. I had to kind of remove myself early on. Um, I said, you know, I'm, I didn't actually say anything. I just did it. I'm going to step away from this nighttime routine. This is, you know, often when I would start drinking was right after dinner or actually it was like during dinner, but then the nighttime would drink, like when we're all just kind of hanging out and cuddling on the couch, watching shows was when I would continue to drink. And I would often fall asleep because I'm a, such a sleepyhead, because I always woke up early, I would fall asleep on the couch watching shows with the kids and then wake up so grumpy. And then bedtime would be so miserable because I was just like cranky, crankosaurus rex. So I knew I had to kind of remove myself from that kind of triggering environment. Yes, I still tucked my kids in, um, but there was this hour before t- bedtime when everybody was like watching TV and I would just step away and I would go to real self-care with myself. I would take a bath. I would stretch. I would do some yoga. Um, I know it sounds like, oh, did you do all those things? Really? How good for you, right? But like I did. I was very intentional and I made myself go do it. And it's crazy when you're like, whoa, I used to park myself in front of a TV and drink alcohol. And now I'm literally in a bath with a face mask on, you know, reading a book. Like it was revolutionary and it sounds cheesy, but it was awesome. Um, and sometimes I would go watch my own shows. I did this for a lot, a lot of months shows that I actually enjoy, which I hadn't watched in years because I was either watching kids TV or boy TV. You know, I have a house full of boys and they always want to watch like action packed, violent things, you know, and that's, I have just have no interest in that sometimes. And so I just think, you know, and I, I often guilted myself. I said like, oh, you know what? I need to be spending time with them. I need to be down here involved in this. I need to cuddle them on the couch like when they were little. And I had to kind of fight that part of myself and say, no, it is okay. You spend plenty of quality time with them. You can step away and let dad have his time. Let dad handle the turning off of the TV and all the negotiating and the nighttime snacks and, um, you know, getting their teeth brushed and stuff. And again, I didn't really consciously think about this stuff. I just started doing it. And lo and behold, Dave, my husband was able to navigate all of it. And it was kind of like their special daddy and, and boy time. And it didn't require me you know, all of these kind of annoying things that I was kind of forcing myself to kind of 
be a part of. I wasn't allowing, I was like, oh, I still have to do it, all this stuff. It created, you know, annoyance in my life. And then I would drink to get through it. So this, me stepping away, me stopping drinking and recognizing like, yeah, I don't really want to participate in this part of the night and stepping away, it allowed him to fill in and have his own job there. And it was fulfilling for him and it gave me space. And it took me a long time to still kind of not feel that I was being selfish or that I, you know, deserved this break and to be upstairs on my own. Um, it's, I still fight it a little bit, to be honest, but um, it's been better for everybody. Um, you know, another example of this is also like my morning routine. So um, again, this all happened organically. I didn't really consciously design it, but I am giving it to you so that maybe you can be a little more proactive and consciously design you stepping away and creating the space for somebody else in your life to maybe take on this thing that, you know, you're just like, yeah, this, this was too much. I was doing too much. I want to step away and take care of myself. But for my, so for my morning routine, you know, I get up super early so I can walk my dog and have this kind of moment of peace and quiet. And when the time changes throughout the year, it starts to get darker and harder because, um, it's just like pitch blackout. I, I do it, but, um, you know, it's, just more difficult those at this time of year. And I was always like, Oh, I have to hustle back. I have to cut my walk short um, so that I can get back in time to wake up the kids and get breakfast started. Um, but I slowly just kind of started showing up a little later and later and it um, lo and behold, my husband started waking the kids up and having his own kind of morning routine with them. And he started to make these like incredible breakfasts for them. And, you know, breakfast is like a definitely a difficult time in my household. Like I have two boys. They're wild. One of them has ADHD. He never wants to eat. He literally wants to like play and play music and like rap music. And it's just, it's just chaotic. And we're always in a rush. Um, and I, you know, I wake up and I am like a go, 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 go person and my husband is a lot more mellow. So this actually naturally started working out better for everyone. He was making these beautiful breakfasts. Um, the kids could kind of wake up more slowly and gracefully than me, like hammering them and de being demanding of them. And I got to kind of come home from my walk, all zenned out from my, my beautiful sunrise walk. And it just, it just worked out better for everybody. It was, it was a healthier balance for all of us. And stepping away from this task, you know, I thought that I would feel, I did, I did feel guilty at some points. And then once I recognized like, oh my gosh, this really did work itself out. And um, this is also, you know, a moment to kind of relinquish that side of yourself. You know, the one I'm talking about, the control freak, right? This this is the one that has to be in charge of everything, that has to have everything done a certain way. This was me, you know, and I think all mothers kind of go through this phase because, you know, there's a time when the when we're, the kids are little that the, the babies, they just, they really just need their moms. They need their moms and there's so many things that only you can do. And I think you kind of get caught in this cycle of then like continuing to do all the things. 
And, um, and then if you allow your husband to try, you know, you're asking for help and, or you're needing help and letting them step in, but you're like, no, it's supposed to be done this way. And then, no, this is the way you're doing it wrong and blah, 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 blah. I had a really hard time with this. So, you know, allowing someone else to do a number of these tasks that deep down subconsciously are driving you mad and you feel like no one appreciates you, step away. Give someone else an opportunity to step in, whether that's at work, whether that's at home, you know, whatever it is. It's like, okay, don't, don't, you know, you, you don't have to say like, hey, this isn't a great job for me. I'm going to step back. Just naturally, just kind of don't be the first one to raise your hand. Don't feel like if no, you know, I I have this compulsion that I'm like, I'm assuming nobody's going to volunteer for this shitty job. So I'm going to go ahead and volunteer for it. I do this all the time. And I am now fighting that urge. I'm like, do not raise your hand for the shitty jobs. Someone else will do it. And if nobody else does it, you just wait it out because somebody else will step in. It does not have to be you. Okay. So again, we have to stop thinking that we are so important, that we are so integral to these things, that it's just not going to happen without you. Take a step back, allow somebody else to fill in that space, give them the opportunity, allow them to feel more needed. Again, this this dynamic that I had created with my husband, it was it was really like I I did everything. I gave him no space to contribute, which really only reinforced this notion in my brain that he wasn't contributing, right? Because I hadn't left anything for him to do. So I would just sit with this resentment. Well, look, look, he didn't help again. And it's like, yeah, well, what did you leave him to do? I covered everything. And I covered it in this really kind of annoying way too, where I was just like, here I go. I have to do everything again. You know, I really passive aggressive, right? I created that dynamic instead of just relinquishing control, stop playing the martyr and then self-medicating. I think a lot of women fall into this cycle like I did. We're overachieving, but it's a bit like passive aggressive. And now that I think about it, it's like I became so resentful and then I drank to cope with that, acting like this was like my lot in life but I created it. Again, this is the work that, this is the clarity that you get when you go alcohol-free. You start to see these things because you start to see like, oh man, I've been using alcohol to kind of numb all these things. And then you you go, what was I numbing? Oh, it was this thing. This thing was bugging me. And then you're like, okay, I'm not going to do this thing anymore. And then it's just like, it's like dominoes. It's a domino of just understanding and self-discovery. And, and it's not always pretty. It's not, it's not fun to look back at myself and be like, whoa, like I totally created that. And it was passive aggressive. And I was narcissistic in this idea of feeling like I, I have to do it all because I'm so important. I'm the only one that can do these jobs. It's bullshit, right? So this this part of dry January can feel a little raw. It can feel a little uncomfortable because you're starting to like have to face things. And it's okay. Know that like you are better equipped now than you've ever been. If you are 11 days alcohol free and you've been drinking for the past three decades, let me see, two decades for me, two decades, 
Um, I did not start drinking at 10. So no, I'm 42. So I was not drinking at 12. Um, but if you've been, you know, using alcohol for that long, it's been a while since you've kind of really faced things. And, you know, so much of this is, is, is people pleasing, right? I know for me, like, I always thought that, you know, I'm a good girl when I'm doing all the things, you know, that's, that's where I derive a lot of my worth when I'm like max contributing, when I'm, I'm doing the most. So letting go of doing all the things and especially the things that don't fill me up um, and giving, giving someone else an opportunity and space to do it, that's been huge for me. And I think that what's most important isn't, again, that you're doing all the things and constantly checking all the boxes. What's most important is the way you show up to the things that matter most to you. That you show up as a whole healthy person, right? Not someone who is saddled with resentment, having been a martyr, not feeling burnt out because you've taken on too much, believing that if you don't do it, it won't get done. Let go of some of these things. Let someone else step up. Let go of the control of the need to be involved so it's done your way. I mean, clearly I am coaching myself at this moment. Let's be honest. I am not doing this well yet. I am totally a work in progress. I've only started this to have this realization that this is, this is what has happened organically. I've naturally stepped back from things. And my husband has naturally stepped up and it's actually suited both of us. I have to catch myself still though, like from feeling guilty sometimes when I'm not participating in all the tasks that have to be done in raising two boys. And don't get me wrong. Um, don't get me wrong. My son just popped his little head in. Um, where was I? I'm still, don't get me wrong, I am still an annoyingly productive bitch at times. And as grateful as I am that my husband is doing so much more than he ever used to, I, I still want him to do more and to do it better. So I still have a long way to go in this department. But the progress that has been made in our relationship, because I'm not taking on everything, and then tuning out my resentment and dissatisfaction with a couple cocktails at night, it's huge. It's huge. So it starts with cutting the alcohol out. We've become aware of the beliefs that keep us drinking, as if alcohol is the elixir of life. We're pulling this behavior now out of our subconscious and checking it. We're poking holes in it. We are calling bullshit on it. And then we're taking this next step to say, okay, I need something. One of my core needs is not being met. And this gives me the opportunity to really tune in to what it is and to better craft my life to meet that. This is where that incredible growth is like right at your fingertips. And I hope you're having like huge aha moments right now. Like, yes, I have used alcohol to not only mute the noise stemming from the dissatisfaction in my life, but I've also... I've also been duped into believing alcohol actually took care of my needs, right? So I got this from uh, Tony Robbins, this next part here. We have six primal needs. And I'm going to go through them personally, and maybe you'll relate to how I used alcohol to try and meet these needs. 
although never, you know, consciously, this was all on autopilot in my subconscious. So that's what we're doing here. We're, we're basically shining a light on our subconscious thoughts that are driving our behaviors and we're working on them. So I love this stuff. So um, the first need is a need for certainty. I wanted, I wanted to feel safe by being in control. I wanted assurance that I could like avoid pain and pursue pleasure. And when I couldn't do those things, I drank. I drank to numb any discomfort in my life, any stress, any anxiety. And again, totally subconscious. But this this allowed me to not feel the fear I felt when I wasn't in control. And like so much of motherhood is learning to accept that you don't have control of things. That this little person... You know, you feel what they feel. You experience what they experience. You know, you're just like living. You're so attached to them for, you know, for so long when they're little. It's impossible to to feel safe, to feel secure. You feel so vulnerable when you have kids. And it's it's just a scary state of being when you're when you're a mother and you have to get used to it. And honestly, the 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 drive to be good at motherhood and the discomfort of just always feeling like you're not doing enough and you're not doing a, the best job ever. It's, it's so unsettling, especially if you've been an overachieving type like me, especially if you've had success in work and sports and school. And then all of a sudden you're like, and here's the mom job. And it's really fucking hard. And nobody's there to tell you, Hey, good job. You got a raise. Hey, good job. You've been promoted. No, you're, you're literally just like day after day, just, you know, just on this wild train of trying to raise this little person. Um, so yeah, my need for certainty in my life, I used alcohol. I used alcohol to try and create some type of control in my life and to allow me to avoid the pain and to pursue pleasure. Um, the next need is a need for variety. So how often do we rely on alcohol to entertain us, right? What were we ever really doing in a bar? When you like zoom out and you watch human drinking behavior, it's like, okay, here are the humans. The people are gathering and they drink. They start drinking the substance and then they just stay in this one place. They don't go anywhere, right? They get progressively drunker, but they just stay in this little room. Like, how strange, right? Um, we are just drugging our brain to think that something is fun. It dulls your senses. You take in less information. It results in fuzzy memories or, like, blacking out altogether. So it's essentially narrowing your experience. And because you're, like, complacent because you're drunk, you aren't seeking out new forms of entertainment. So it literally, it quite literally limits your life. You're drinking it for variety to break up the groundhog day to be like, well, I'm, I can't wait to get to the weekend so I can have my drinks and I can go out. But like, to be honest, I have done more living in the last three years alcohol-free than I did in decades of drinking. All of my entertainment used to revolve around alcohol, and it was all the same. We're going to this space, and we're going to drink. It didn't really matter where the space was. It was literally like, 
oh, okay, we're going to a winery. Oh, we're going to a wedding. Oh, we're going to a movie. Oh, we're going to vacation. It was all revolving around the drinking. It was all the same. Like, how crazy is that, right? So that's another need that I was trying to meet with alcohol, right? Another need is the need for significance or status, okay? All right. So who doesn't go through a phase in their drinking career when wine becomes the thing, right? For me, it was like mid-20s. I was coming out of like the post-college like binge drinking phase or taking shots and stuff. And it became like, oh, like a sophisticated person, you know, buys wine and then like going into the wine aisle and trying to be like, okay, I'm not buying the cheap wine anymore. I'm, I'm stepping up. I'm a career girl now. I'm making money. So like, what do I, you know, trying to pretend like, you know, about it, like you've learned, oh yes, uh uh-huh. This is, this is what I've learned about wine and all the different types. To be honest, I never really got into wine that much, but I remember, you know, wanting to pretend like I knew enough just so I had this level of culture and sophistication about myself, right? Um, The wine lifestyle, it just like reeks of status, right? It allows people to feel extremely cultured and sophisticated for simply spending a shit ton of money on a bottle of poison. Let's be honest. It leaves you with a dry mouth, stained teeth, you're dehydrated for days, hungover beyond measure. Wine hangovers are so brutal. But yet we tie it to this idea of elegance and glamour and status, right? Oh, so that's that's definitely how uh, alcohol fits into that one, right? All right, the next need is need for love and connection. Alcohol, especially when you're when you're young, it's all about belonging. It's all about being included, being social. And we use it to combat social anxiety, right? It gives us courage when we're like most ripe with our insecurities, when we're in our teenage years. And then we never really learn how to connect without it, right? It's it's literally also the way people date. Like it's you ask somebody to try and get to know one another, go on the dating scene alcohol-free. Very, very, very few people are doing this, right? We use it to kind of give us these goggles that are going to help us like decipher whether or not we want to be with somebody. But then we're often wrong because we just were like, whoa, I was drinking the whole time. I was getting to know this person. And do I really know this person? Or was it just like we were both intoxicated, right? Um, Or how about when you're lonely? I can't tell you how many clients talk about wine and Netflix. Like it's what they do. They're bored. They're lonely. And they're just like, I'm just going to watch my shows and I'm going to drink to kind of fill this void. And so there's, there's two more needs and these are spiritual needs. So this is, you know, alcohol clearly does nothing for these. I had no delusion that alcohol was helping me grow. Um, or feel that I was making a positive contribution anywhere. Those are the next two needs that are, that are more spiritual. They're the needs for growth and the needs for contribution. But I will tell you that these are the two needs that I am now completely fulfilling by living an alcohol-free life. Um, 
I love the saying, I, I don't even know who said it, but like, if you're not growing, you're dying. There is no standing still. There is no like stagnant state. Um, and I feel like when I was drinking alcohol, I was dying in a way. I was dulling and numbing any discomfort in my life that would have that would have allowed me to grow, that would have allowed me to change. Because that's what that's what the agitation and the discomfort is in life. Life is suffering. And that little bit of suffering is what is supposed to drive you to try and make changes, to make things better. And so when you're no longer meeting all of your core needs with alcohol, you're truly going to give yourself this opportunity to start growing again. And that requires change. That requires like facing things that you haven't wanted to face in a long time. But guess what? It's not as scary as you think it is. Once you give your your brain a chance to reset, it won't feel so overwhelming because one, you're no longer detoxing. You're no longer in recovery mode. You've given yourself enough days now. Hopefully you're on day 11. If you haven't and you've been kind of periodically drinking in dry January, maybe you've strung together more days than you would have. If you weren't, that's awesome. But just know that you need to you need to string together a significant amount of days in order for your body and brain to re- achieve homeostasis because that's that's when you start to feel differently. You start to feel better and it allows you the opportunity to make different choices, okay? When you're not in that recovery mode, when you're not in the 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 low level depressive anxious states, okay? And when you continue to work on these thoughts and beliefs that alcohol is not the answer to all of your needs. In fact, it was doing such a shitty job of taking care of you, okay? You have so much more life to live and you don't want to limit yourself with alcohol anymore, okay? And the the, the other belief here that I love is um, the spiritual belief is, or not belief, a um, need, is contribution. Now, I don't even know if I would have, like, could have, could have considered anything that I was doing for contributing, you know, other than being a mother. I volunteered at school a lot. You know, I volunteered to manage my kids' soccer team. But the contribution I'm making now by being an alcohol-free life coach, by impacting others in a way that I have lived, that I have benefited from, and that I know can quite literally change someone's life, I am... I'm so fulfilled by that. It gives me so much purpose and so much meaning because even if nobody ever hires me as a client, right? Like, I mean, a coach, it's like, I know there's people out there listening and they're hearing and they're relating. And it's, it's, it's just like me. I, I heard stories when I was going through this and I was like, yes, that is it. That is how I feel. And that's what I needed to hear in order to make the change that completely leveled up my life in every possible way. Um, It's just been an incredible journey. And I started it with a dry January. So wherever you are in your dry January, keep going. Keep surrounding yourself with information to support you. Um, I didn't make it through my first January. I, I 
reduced my drinking probably by about 50%, maybe a little more than that 60%. I stopped drinking during the weekdays and I would drink like on a Thursday or a Friday and a Saturday and, um, and still felt like shit every time I did. And it wasn't until that second month in February when I really got the information that led to my transformation. And that's what I'm delivering to you now in this podcast. And I'm delivering it in my free dry January group. It is closed now. If you didn't get the chance to join that, go to my website, join my community and get on the wait list. Uh, email put wait list and you can join the wait list for my next free um, sober month, alcohol free month that that I will do. Um, and you can also get my free masterclass. It is just like a short little mini series that goes through the three beliefs, keeping you stuck in the drinking cycle. I have lots of free resources for you guys. Um, this is how I get my meaning and contribution in this world is to help others, um, break free from their drinking cycle and level up their life. So, um, Thank you as always for being here today. I am with you. You got this and stay in the work. Stay in it. Hey team, you've just listened to an episode of Find Myself Free. And if some part of this left you wanting more, if your curiosity has been piqued and your intuition is telling you, I'm ready for more. I'm ready to look at my relationship to alcohol and find out just how much it's holding me back. Then check out my coaching offers at findmyselffree.com. For those ready to kickstart a change privately on their own time, I offer the Brave Course, a seven-day program to shift your mindset around alcohol and connect with your future self. This is chock full of all the information that was key to my transformation. If you're looking for additional support, I also offer one-on-one coaching. I worked with a coach for four months at the start of my alcohol-free journey, and it made all the difference. Being able to talk to someone who knew what I was going through and could help me navigate my new world gave me a foundation of support I could build on, and it's a big reason why I'm a coach today. I want to help others find their freedom and level up their health. If this sounds good to you, then connect with me at findmyselffree.com. Listen to that intuition that was telling you you are meant for more. I'm with you. You got this.